Hello Agents 1 and 2. This is Mission Command. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to spread the gospel throughout the entire nation. And beyond that, to all the nations. Every man, woman, and child should be evangelized and discipled via the Great Commission. Do you accept yes. this mission? Yes, sir. Now, I'll run off on my own and complete this mission without the backing or permission of the local church. No, is that what you're requesting of definitely me? Definitely don't do that. That is, that is not sure? what I want you to do. Are you sure? <laughs> yes, positive. I mean, we're kind of improv acting right now. Super positive so on that. I'm pretty sure that's, that's the mandate you're setting me to do when I preach the gospel. It's just, just kind of improv, you know? Just kind of go out there and just do what I feel. I mean, the Holy Spirit will give me the words to say. Am I right? Am I right? This podcast will self-destruct in 10 seconds. <laughs> Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. And this is The Christian Artist, honoring Christ through creativity. My name is Caleb. My name is Connor. My name is Carly. And I'm really sorry that we even put you through that. That was just a, you know, sometimes you're... You're negative two minutes into starting a podcast, and you're like, "We need a cold open," and then it, yep. that just happens. Yep. Uh, yeah. This is this is what happens when Caleb says, "Trust me." <laughs> Something amazing happens. That's what yeah. happens when I yeah, you know, actually, when I say trust me. Like that. Yeah. That's that's probably the best cold opening you've had in a few weeks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, what's what's up with uh, everybody? Everybody uh, right now? What's what's how's everybody doing? I'm wearing blue light glasses. Yeah, I noticed that. And the blue light from the, your screen is reflecting off of the glasses. And that's all <laughs> yeah, I see. I think that's pretty face. funny. Yeah. Pretty, so you can kind of see like what I'm seeing. So keep me accountable. Right. Okay. Not, yeah. <laughs> not like playing like video games. Actually playing uh, Agario. You know, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Carly, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good. good. Tired. It's Monday. <laughs> and I had a test today. I feel it. So like, that sucks. I didn't have school today because my car broke down and I couldn't go to college. So <laughs> that's how my day is going. Um, but I still have so much stuff to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say something else. And um, Well, I'm just a, a heads up on mm-hmm. my uh, situation. Besides the fact that I'm just wearing blue light glasses. Yeah, I was going to say. Okay. But... Uh, um, casting light is really yes. kicking off yeah. the evangelism ministry that we, we started at church at our church and a timely um, timely start to that uh, given that we're talking yeah. about this uh, yeah i mean we we started it uh, a couple of months ago oh, right but like but uh, now it's it's really starting to kick off we've we've done some some like training sessions of talking with people and stuff like that um and and like making sure we're all on the same page and um we've gone to one one event in janesville called flannel fest which is really just a celebration of beer and uh, <laughs> and uh, gospel tracks for that and and was able we were able to to preach the gospel to a few people and strike up some good conversations um but it wasn't as as uh liked or it wasn't really a very social um setting in the sense that a lot of people just wanted to drink beer and not talk about things like people like one person i i believe one person legitimately said to me like i didn't come here to think you know what i mean and so it was a little bit harder i came here to get wasted yeah yeah. and we had but we had eight people including myself i don't know why i held up six fingers 
we had eight people including myself eight whole people um yeah eight whole people no uh including myself and that's the people. biggest crowd that we've had um nice of of people eight to go out people. and do that um okay Caleb. Uh, we, that, that's that's the most people we've ever had to come out with us and do that and so angel and i were really really excited about that um and then then so that was saturday the 20 something of february and then just this past thursday so like four days ago we went to whitewater the college and um that were the college in whitewater whitewater the college uh, yes uw <laughs> whitewater college and in wisconsin uh, in wisconsin but that's uw not right? all University no most people don't know that connor only people who live in wisconsin would know that actually that's a good point no so we went there and we just held up like uh uh not held up we like put on a stand a whiteboard and we put the question does god exist and put like a little tally of yes no or i don't know and we had a like i think about 75 tally marks of people who either was like hey put me down for this or came up and and put their tally on there and yeah, then I actually here, let me just track. do this real quick i'll go to the the nano screen here's their here's our little and show uh, the audience the the picture the picture yeah 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 here it is it's cool that I can do that. Yeah. Um, but we had a lot of people that came up and talked to us. Um, we had a lot of really good conversations and we were able to preach the gospel to over a dozen individuals. And so that was really, really cool. Um, we really felt like, like it was a very uh, like good community to preach the gospel in that people were very um, open to having conversations with us, especially people who disagreed vehemently with us. They actually were respectful and civilized human beings. Yeah, vehemently, not vehemently. vehemently. I'm sorry. Yes, vehemently. <laughs> um, and so that was just really cool um, to see that all play out. And uh, and then of course this Sunday, so yesterday, was uh, our our pastor, Pastor Jeff, preached just rock hard, awesome <laughs> sermon on preaching the gospel as well. Mm -hmm. And it was so, so amazing and just exactly what our church needed to hear. And um, it was really cool. And also we have um, um, an older man who's now going to come out with us this Thursday. We're going to try to go every Thursday to Whitewater. And now we have an older man from our church who accidentally came to one of our Casting Light meetings <laughs> and now is coming with us this Thursday. And so we're, we're beyond excited to have, you know, an older man in our church to come out and and just see what we're doing and like approve of it and be a part of it so yeah mm -hmm. that's that's pretty much what's going on with me right now absolutely and it's 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 good stuff it is good stuff super true but yeah so we are here and we're talking about some stuff what are we talking about guys missiology missiology so that is the act of missing the mark oh no wait <laughs> That's a different thing. That's a different <laughs> podcast. Uh, today, we're talking about missiology, which is basically the uh, study of missions. Um, so the, the last point in our – so we've been going through the uh, ecclesiology um, in our most recent uh, podcasts. And um, we got to the end of this 10-point list, and we were like, we should do an entire episode on this last point. Um, so I'm just going to read off the last point like I, I did the other points for ecclesiology, and we'll talk about it. I think going through these verses, honestly, would be a good way to kind of um, uh, structure 
I don't know. I was literally going to say fructured, which is not a word. <laughs> um, <laughs> a good way to structure this podcast. So, um, point 10, evangelism and missions, because they go hand in hand. Um, and honestly, I think when we get to this, um, this uh, first verse here, too, I think just culture engagement in and of itself is like, like there's other aspects to this that are, are um, part of the church's mission. Um, or at the very least, you know, our, our mission is Christians. So we can probably talk about that as well. So, um, and I, 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 I speak of the dominion mandate is basically what I'm saying when I, when I, uh, say that, but basically the great commission is Christ's mission for the whole church. This, however, is played out by the faithful obedience of local churches as they pray for and actively work toward the expanse of the gospel, both locally and among the nations while sending missionaries to other places of the world, especially to unreached peoples. It is important is important and necessary not every local church will have the means to do so at the very least every church should serve as salt and light in their immediate communities as well as commit to praying for other churches and missionaries in their gospel ministry so any initial thoughts on that good stuff <laughs> i'm i'm trying to pull up the article right now what do you want to say sorry let me uh post it Nope, I got it. No, no need. Well, I did it anyway. Okay. <laughs> Rub, dub, dub, dub. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Um, okay, so a little bit of, of, uh, of background for us recently of why this really became a thing in our uh on our minds recently is because we went to the g3 conference in atlanta at least caleb and i did carly was not able to attend because it would have been like a 30-hour flight um it would not but i did watch most of the live streams i've watched like all of them except for the entirety of paul washers okay so that's one of the best ones so you didn't watch the whole thing no, um, I I caught a little bit of it live, but I haven't gone back and watched the beginning and the end yet. Okay, gotcha. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, Paul Paul watched. That's the only one I went back and really really listened to besides <laughs> the Q and A, um, because I just yeah, the Q and A was really uh, good too. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so so here we go. So uh, the main heart of G three this year, well, the the topic was on missions, and the main heart of it was let's go back to the local church being um, how we start missions and let's let missions be making local churches um, and making sure that that's all connected. Um, Because at the end of the day, if we try to go out and make disciples of all nations and we don't try to start churches there, we're purposely making Christians be be uh trying to walk in a christian walk with while specifically being outside the will of god because they're not being a part of a local body of believers that's that's kind of the point to go out and do that and we're not supposed to go out and make converts merely we're supposed to preach the gospel yes and if people don't respond to that we're not supposed to do follow-ups and follow them around and see if they become Christians or something weird like that. 
But if somebody truly does repent and put their faith and trust in Christ, and now they are a Christian, what needs to happen is a church needs to start because local believers should want to be together. And if they don't want to be together, chances are they're not Christians. Uh, a quote from Charles Spurgeon. Um, uh, people will say to me, I'll paraphrase this. People will say to me, um, Christians do not love each other. And I'm sad if that be true, but rather I think not that Christians don't love each other, but that those, those Christians who do not love each other are not Christians. And uh, that idea needs to define church for us so that we know that there should be unity in the body of believers and not a fake um, artificial emotionally charged tolerance of people, but rather a true based upon the truth unity that only comes from the Holy spirit. And that's, that's our, our uh, standpoint on missions is it has to be with the backing, with the permission of the local church so that you are not just doing this alone because you should never try to do any type of ministry alone because we're supposed to be a body of believers, not just one person running off and doing their own thing. That's when you get weird theology. Um, and that's a weird theology in itself, but that's how somebody strays off into weird theology as well is because they don't have other Christians keeping them accountable. Um, and then secondly, they need to go out and make churches, not just make converts. Because if somebody is a convert and they don't try to be among other believers, then you have to question the convert part. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so let's let's go back to the basics here. Let's talk about what this even is. Let's go to um, the Great Commission, shall we? And uh, just kind of read this and talk talk about it. Get an idea for, like, why this is important and what it in its most basic form means. And let me find this real quick. Um, here we go. <clears throat> Matthew 28, verses 18, 19, and 20. And Jesus came and said to them, this is, um, well, here, uh, let's start with verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. This is after Jesus was, uh, rose from the dead. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the reason we do this, first and foremost, is because Jesus told us to. Mm -hmm. Right? So um, evangelism slash missions, which is just evangelism and planting of the of churches. Mm -hmm. um, Right, so you know it's a two-step process, basically. Right, um, in 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 its most like generic, like going zooming out really far. There's two steps: evangelizing and planting churches. Right, so once you have, as Connor said, right, a gathering of believers that are truly believers, then you bring them together as a church, as a local body, so they can uh, give each other accountability, so that there can be elders that lead them, and uh, you know they don't. Uh, just go off by themselves and try to do it on their own. Um, 
But right, so the reason we do this um, is because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And that means the whole earth is Jesus's. And so we're just like, we're going out. And as Pastor Jeff was saying in his sermon this weekend, we are the heralds of the kingdom, right? We The, the kingdom has come on earth. It is slowly spreading throughout all of the earth. Technically, Jesus owns everything now, but um, slowly everyone is recognizing that. And so our job is to help them recognize it, is to go to them and tell them the good news of Jesus as king, that Jesus, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, and that you have to observe all that he has commanded us, um, right? That we have to uh, come to him in faith and repentance and uh, fall on his uh, on the gift of grace that he has given us, and then uh, continue to live in uh sanctification continue to live in uh following the commandments that god gave us um yeah as a as a uh biblical um backing for the statement that jesus is king now and his kingdom is now is psalm 110 um and also you just look at uh genesis and saying that jesus is one day crushed the head of the serpent you look at how Satan tempted Jesus. He said, I would give you this world if you would bow down to me. And Jesus, Jesus said, no, like I'm going to the cross for that purpose. Um, you, you look at, I mean, what happened when, when Jesus died and rose again. And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay. Um, and over time, Psalm 110 shows us that over time, uh, Jesus is going to make every enemy um, beneath him. That God is going to make every enemy um, as Jesus' footstool. So pretty much Jesus is going to put his rest his feet on his enemies. Um, and that is also um, reiterated in Hebrews chapter 1. It is referenced back to Psalm 110 and saying that Jesus is king now, and he's going to slowly and steadily defeat all of his enemies. Um, and the idea there is that the war is over, and yet there are little battles and skirmishes that still need to be fought. Um, and when in 1 Corinthians 15, when it says death is the last enemy to defeat, that's what we're talking about. Um, so it's, it's just like in World War II, when the war was over, there were still parts of um, the world uh, that were still having battles because they didn't hear yet that the battle was won and or that the war was over. And so they were still fighting battles. They were still skirmishing. They were still killing each other because they didn't know the war was over yet. And that's what's happening. And so when we, as, as heralds of the gospel, go around and, and you know preach to people, we don't start with Jesus died and rose again. We start with Jesus is king. Jesus is king and he has won the the battle for the world. He has won the war for the world. And this is then what he's done for you. He has uh, lived a perfect life, died, rose again, proved that he is king, proved that he is Lord over sin and death, proved that he has power over those things. And now he commands you to have faith and repent. Um, hi. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Are you in the middle of the Christian art? 
Yes. <laughs> you can Hi, leave Carly. now. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you're taking a really long time. Okay. So, yes, that the gospel is then a command, not a suggestion. When we suggest to people, please, um, you know, turn to Jesus because he loves you. What we're saying is God is waiting on you. Um, God is, uh, is powerless without you saying, I want you, God. And uh, instead, it's God saying, I command you to have faith and repent. Um, uh, and repent and believe the gospel. And that's, that's the difference that um, that theology should make on missions. Um, and also just to clarify, and like the thing said in the article, um, it is a local mission and a global mission that a local evangelism should be a part of every church. And then some churches, if they can, right, they have the people, they have the resources to do so to then send people off into different countries and to be able to preach the gospel to every nation, to every people, to every tribe, to every tongue. Um, so that all of those people will then be, be saved or condemned um, even more so than they already were because of their sin. And that's, that's what the gospel is supposed to do. It's supposed to um, divide as, as Jesus said, I come not to bring peace, but a sword. Um, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like did anything to add to that. I don't think so off the top of my head. Okay. Um, so then, then I think we should clarify uh, we should talk about like short-term mission strips. Well, so let's 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 we're we're still kind of in the far okay. zoom out here, because um, because the one thing I wanted to so basically just going through again the the specifics of the Great Commission, right? So all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, right? So this is this is a command to go to every single nation and and not only to make disciples in every nation, but make disciples of the nations, right? So bringing every single people group, every single uh, tongue, tribe, nation under the lordship of Christ, right? So this is this whole idea that Connor was talking about, where like Jesus is the king of everyone right now, and so our job is to go tell them that Jesus is their king. Right. And that he has conquered them and that they are his vassals now. Right. And so they need to give him their allegiance. Right. And they already are under him. So they, they, um, you know, they need to follow his commands, which is to repent and be baptized, which is the next part. Right. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Right. So this is part of the Great Commission. So don't just like go into places and, um, and, and this, this idea of disciples also is, is a, a good point to bring up, right? So discipling and baptizing someone means that you don't just go to a place and say, all right, uh, you know, I'm evangelizing you. Here's the gospel. And then bye, right? Like, no, we're, we're supposed to be disciples. And so we need to be discipling people. So like helping them to become a Christian, right? Get them into a local body of believers, um, where they will be discipled, they will become more like Christ, they will have access to all of the things that we talked about in our ecclesiology podcasts, and then, you know, they'll be baptized, they'll be discipled, um, and then teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, right? So not just leaving them on their own, that's what all of this whole thing is about, right? Ecclesiology is this idea of um, having them, like, teaching people, teaching 
disciples, baptizing disciples, keeping disciples in the local church, and uh, making sure to do all of those things instead of just like preaching the gospel and then saying, all right, you're on your own. Um, and then, you know, Jesus says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus is with us in all of these efforts because, you know, he's actually king right now. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, we, now we can, I think, I just wanted to get that out of the way, um, just as a, a quick, quick kind of going through the description of what the Great Commission oh, no, is. Oh, yes, stuff. absolutely, that's... Um, and then, yeah, like, if you want to talk about, so, so most of the time when we, when we talk about, um, missions, this is probably what people think of in our current American Christian culture, and so, Connor, take it away, what you were just about to say. Yeah, so, um, our current idea of a mission, okay, is a missions trip, which pretty much means, hey, let's raise thousands of dollars for a plane ticket to send you to a place you've never been to before um, with a language you might not even know so that you can not preach the gospel, but help people to give a better name to Christians. Um, and the problem with that idea is that it's not demonstrated at all not only in the Bible, but even in church history of um, leading up to our current era. Um, it should never be a let's send out short-term mission trips, um, send out people who may not even be prepared or even know the gospel. And we're sending them out and trying to get them to something. Um there, there is a missionary, and I don't remember if it was William Carey or another missionary um, who said, who, who wanted to be a missionary, okay? He, he wanted to go, and I believe it was India that he wanted to go to, and he wanted to go there to be a, a witness, right? He wanted to go there to preach the gospel, and he specifically said, I don't want to go there and come back. I want to go there and plant myself there. And he also said, I don't want to go there and still be feeding or leeching off of the church's money and resources. I want to go there, become a part of the community and like, like be grateful that the church can provide for me up until that point. But then I want to get myself situated. I want to get myself um, a part of the community where I don't have to rely on the church for resources anymore because I'm, I'm working my, my wage here. And I think that is the, the best option for us as, um, as Christians is to go out, uh, to send people out to certain places to not just be a, a missionary, but to be a part of the community. And that's what a, a missionary should be. Um, we, we take a look at, at the local church and that's what that's what we do or at least should do as the local church is be a part of the community and being able to preach the gospel as we go right as we're a part of the community as we have opportunity as we are living our lives and we see certain people and we can have interactions with certain people then with our sphere of influence we preach the gospel to people um, and, I, and i'm not trying to say friendship evangelism i'm trying to say you meet somebody and you get talking and because you love God so much, you actually talk about God and then you have an opportunity to preach the gospel. Um, 
And so when we say let's go on a short-term missions trip, um, there are big problems with that because first of all, it's a waste of money. It, we spend too much money on something that is uh, short-term. And it doesn't have very much, if any, return. Yes. Secondly, what's actually being effective. Yes. Secondly, there's there's not usually the gospel that is preached. It's usually let's help people. And the 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 twisted mindset of that is that what helps pers- a person more? Getting a roof on their head, um, you know, getting food in their belly, or hearing the gospel. And the issue is, is those two things should be inseparable. I should go preach the gospel to somebody as I'm helping them, as I'm, hey, I, I have come from a very, you know, privileged nation. And so I have the opportunity to then help you, to get you situated, to, to provide a roof for you, maybe, maybe to provide food for you, whatever. But I'm not going to leave you without preaching the gospel, because if I do that, you really haven't been helped. Um, you might live a little bit longer on this earth and then you're going to go to hell for all of eternity. And that's not the loving thing to do. Um, so we definitely have that problem. Um, and then thirdly, with short-term mission trips, the people we're sending, we, we send them because we think they're going to get more out of it. Um, or, or maybe just, or I should say just as much, if not more out of it than the people they're supposed to be ministering to. And for some reason, that's our mindset. And we think that they'll learn on the job. And what we're doing is we're sending people out to be bad witnesses for not only Christ, but for the local church. Mm-hmm. And we should have a much higher standard than that. Um, this is not something um, to fool around with. This is not somebody something to send fools to do. Um, Paul Washer kept saying in, at the G3 conference, that for some reason, well, I guess everybody was saying this, but for some reason, we think that we send the people that we don't want in the local church anymore. And we send those people out to do missions rather than saying, who's the best? Who's somebody that is not an elder of our church, but fits the qualifications for an elder of our church. Let's send him out because missions is not the, the last part of, of a church. It's the goal of the church is to make disciples it's, it's to spread the gospel. And so um, the, the, the primary function of a church is to train up believers, right? It's to feed the body of Christ. But why do you do that? So that they can preach the gospel, so that they can spread the good news of Jesus Christ, that he is king and that he has commanded people to have faith and repent and tell them what he has done for his people. Um, and I think that is very, very important. Um, and we do have a very low view of uh, God in today's church anyway. And now as a result of that from other things as well, now we have a low view of missions as well. And we're sending the lowest of the low. And and I'm I'm making a general statement because I I don't know every church and I'm not trying to say anything specific about your church. If whoever is listening to this, because I don't know. Um, This is just what, um, I have heard from the people who spoke at G3 who are much more involved with the mission um, work and much more involved with uh, the global church than I might ever be. And so that I'm taking their word for it. Um, and that is what they have seen um, in their, their churches at some points and in other churches around, around the areas um, that we have a problem with wanting to send the, the, 
uh, the people we don't want in our church off in the missions instead of sending the best of the best because it's important. Yeah, I think another point to bring up about um, what you were saying about just going to random places to help people and not giving them the gospel um, is that, like, <clears throat> that frustrates me because, and, and, you know, it's just not biblical because think about it this way, right? Like, that is obviously an important part of our mission as Christians is to provide for the physical needs of people. Um, but how, what better way to do that than to do it in our own community? Because then we can have a, a like something happen where we're like, oh, this person needs a new roof over their head. Let's all get mm-hmm. together as a church, give them a new roof, and then preach the gospel to them. And Correct. then that person is still in our community. They still live right next to us, and we can continually preach the gospel to them. Mm-hmm. And they know that, that that we love them because we right. did this thing for them instead of right. doing it for this person that we'll never see again and then go going back home. Right? Like, it's just not effective. That's another problem that you see in churches sometimes is they want to reach out to the people who are rich in their community because they, they think that they'll get more money for the church and that's somehow honoring to God. But instead, we should be looking for the people who are in need, the people who we can, we can help because those people are the ones who are in a humble place, more likely than not. Um, and so then it's much easier for us to go and be like, hey, look, we're a church that cares about human beings. We're a church that d- doesn't want you to be um, starving. We're a church that doesn't want you to have rain um, pouring down on you while you sleep because you don't even have a roof over your head. Um, we want to be the, the kind of um, Christ um, ambassadors that go out into the world and see the needs and help those needs, um, but not just help those needs, but to always be pointing to Christ as sufficient for salvation, which is a much bigger problem than a grumbling stomach and rain on your head. Mm-hmm. So Carly, um, you've been like watching through the G3 videos and so you have them more fresh in your mind than we do. What are some, some takeaways that you've, you've had from, from those videos thinking about this topic and how we approach it as Christians? Um, one of the things that, that really stood out to me, we've kind of already touched on it, but, um, it like, it hit me like, well, duh, like, why haven't we been doing this the whole time? Um, when Vody Bakum was talking about, he had a friend that said, oh, well, it's not about planting churches. It's about like just discipleship. But then he went to scripture and he was like, where would you ever get that? Like, if, if you make disciples, but the disciples have nowhere to go to continue to be discipled, like, what's the use in it? Yeah. Like, you're directly disobeying scripture by saying that discipleship is all that we need to do instead of planting churches in order to disciple people right exactly you can't separate discipleship from the local church it's the local Mm -hmm. church's job to disciple people Mm -hmm. yes yeah go ahead yeah another another thing that vody bakum brought up was um the idea that we are to be a blessing to the nations. Um, and he goes back into Genesis 12, I believe, and talking about how Abraham was um, uh, made a promise from God that his descendants would be a blessing to the nations yeah. and not just ethnic Israel. He was talking about the church because as we see in Romans, um, I believe 11, we see that God no longer has ethnic Israel as his chosen people, 
but instead everyone who is a Christian, the, the, the new chosen people of God. And so we too are to be a blessing to the nations. Um, the goal of missions is to help all of those needs. And that starts with the gospel. And because we preach the gospel to people and they have their main problem taken care of, then they start making better communities. They start knowing how to love people better. Um, they start having better governments. They start having better uh, eco economy. They start having better everything because Christians are a blessing to the nations. And so then from there, those other problems are going to slowly um, be solved because the gospel changes a person's heart. It changes a person's mind. That's why we have um, organizations like End Abortion Now that don't go out and say, hey, don't murder your baby and leave it like that. They go out and preach the gospel, knowing that they preach the gospel to somebody that they're not going to murder their baby. And they don't have to convince that person not to murder their baby. They just have to preach the gospel to them. And if they become saved, then they're not going to murder their baby. Now, granted, they do say, hey, don't murder your baby. Um, and that's important, too, because they're, then they're calling out their sin. Um, but they understand that if they left it at that, that they're not going to change anyone's mind about anything. They're not, they can't change anyone's heart or mind. And even if they did, they're just stopping one person from making one sin and they're still going to hell. And so we have to come at it from a biblical and um, heavenly minded perspective or else it's, it's going to be useless. Yeah. Do you have another place that you're heading to or? Um, well, let's go ahead. Yeah, I know I have it. Yeah, I just okay. I was I, I was leaving empty space for someone else to say something. Um, awesome. Namely, Carly. So real quick <laughs> before I, I I have a next point here, but any other thoughts, Carly, on on like the general like uh, uh, stuff about missions in, from G three or anything you've been thinking about as we approach this? Um, Connor and I have been talking a lot, so yeah, we can do of, that. I'm sorry. Um, when I was watching. I believe it was Saturday and Sunday. I was watching the um, the one that Stephen Lawson did on Romans nine, and mm. it was so, so good. good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he, I thought it was interesting Angel that, that he. No. <laughs> um, I thought it was so interesting that he chose to talk about Romans nine because most people, in order to debunk election, are like, well, that would like completely fraud missions like that would leave no purpose for that and he's just like heck nah like that gives it all the more purpose right. and it was very like just very cool to listen to and it was very well done and i love it now i'll put a link in the liner notes <laughs> to all of these sessions yeah they're all free on youtube right now which mm -hmm. is great um the fact that stephen lawson preached on romans 9 and talking about uh, election and predestination and all that good stuff. And then he goes right into a gospel call. Mm, yeah. That's how it should always be with, yeah. with Calvinists. That's how it should always be with us as Christians who come from a reformed perspective of this is what the Bible says. Yet the Bible still commands us to repent and believe the gospel. The Bible still commands us to have faith. And those things are not in, con in, in conflict. Yeah. And so we preach both of them and we preach both of them united. And that's how the gospel is supposed to be preached. 
That's how Calvinism is supposed to be preached. That's how Romans 9 is made to be preached. And so it was exactly as it needed to be. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, moving on here. Um, let's go to Matthew 5, shall we? So it says in Matthew 5, um, verse 13, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, this is just an expansion on what we've kind of already touched on, but this is another part of scripture's mandate for us as Christians, right? We are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Flavors things. It flavors things. What else does it do? It does other things. There's two things. It, fl- it flavors things? things. And what was, what, was, what did you say? And you now? lick it off of tables. Preserves things. And it preserves things. Yeah, you also lick it off of tables. I mean, if you're- No, only, only Caleb does it. As a child, I did that as a kid. Anyway. <laughs> Caleb, um, hmm? Caleb, do you have a salt shaker in your room right now? Um, nope. <laughs> I yep, was about to congratulate you, but... <laughs> there's no way you could have moved it out of your room without getting up from your, your I know, that, that was the joke. Um, okay. <laughs> did you just see me throw... <laughs> yes, that would have been great. Yeah. Throw it out the window. No, but then I would lose some salt. Anyway. That's true. So, yeah, right, salt flavors things and it preserves things so that is what we are supposed to be as christians so not only do are we a blessing to the nations as connor said right like we we make things better because the gospel makes things better because jesus makes things better it makes people um more like christ you know we become better people um but also it preserves it preserves and flavors the culture right so it where a culture is dying and is um uh, decadent and is far from God. Um, Christianity preserves the goodness in culture, and it flavors and makes new culture that is dead. Right. So, um, our our goal as Christians not only is to preach the gospel, but be, but through that preaching of the gospel, make the world better. Um, just as a natural side effect of preaching the gospel, um, and that means not preaching the gospel to people and then like getting them in the church and then ignoring the world. That's not how that's done. Rather we are to live out Christianity, live out the mandate to be a Christian in every single sphere of life and thus redeem that sphere of life. Right. So to make everything that we do about Jesus. And so that means that when we work, we are working to the glory of God and we exemplify that. And so we are the best workers. It means that when we are um, thinking about government, we make the best governments and we make the, the most moral governments. And so people, you know, right, Christians who are running like things biblically, that's, that's the goal sort of a thing. And then also, right. Like in the family, right. Our families will become better. We'll have better familiar relationships because we are following the Bible and actually living out the gospel in each of our, um, families in each of our other spheres of life too. Um, but we're also the light of the world, right? A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all the house. Another way of saying, don't just hide in the church, 
right? The church is a place to come and gather as believers, but then it's a place, it's a launching pad for all of us to rocket out to the other parts of culture, um, to not just stay in the church, but make more people part of the church by bringing them through the gospel, right, into the church um, and going out in, into the public sphere and challenging um, non-biblical ideas and continuing to do that um, in every sphere that we find ourselves in, like standing up for truth and um, redeeming every aspect of culture. And that's also part of missions. When you think about the intense evangelism and mission work that has happened through like Christian societies, Christian peoples throughout history, like you can see the immense, and then you look at the those nations and see the blessing that they have received because of the uh, coming of the gospel, right? So slavery has ended in every single country that the gospel has gone, um, right? Like continue. There's a whole bunch of other things like, like capitalism is a direct result of 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 the gospel, right? Like the standard of living that we have because of like uh ec because of um economic growth and um people working well for god and and living out biblical economic principles uh makes everybody wealthier and healthier and just helps everything <laughs> when you think about christians in technology who have done amazing work in technology and the sciences and have advanced all of those things those things happen because christians are involved in them and like i guarantee you you look at history and you will see and, and, and almost every single great thing that has happened in the last two thousand years a christian is behind it in some way or, or shape or form or another um I, I believe that um it was marcus Pittman who did a whole talk once on how christians led to the iphone um <laughs> And he like traced every single like technological advancement that was done by a Christian that made the iPhone possible, and he's just like, yeah, guys, we made the iPhone possible like, <laughs> because of like living out biblical principles in every sphere of life. So that's one aspect to point out. Um, so I, I'm looking up which which uh, missionary it was that uh, um, said that. Uh, people should be not so dependent on the local church. And these names come to mind. I don't know which one it is, but it is either William Carey, who went to India, um, Hudson Taylor, who went to China, or David Livingston. Um, and he, I think, went to Africa. But I'm figuring that out right now. But yeah, this is throw that out there real quick. That's all I had to say. Okay. Um. So I'm just kind of scanning through these verses quickly here. Um, I think one thing I wanted to to mention was this. So because of the, the conference that we went to and, and thinking about biblical missiology leads us to place such a high emphasis on the local church. This means a couple of things for, for evangelism and missions, um, right? So we, we've kind of briefly mentioned this stuff. But so because it, mission work has to be centered on the local church, 
that means that as Connor said, we don't just send out random people, right? It's not mm-hmm. just you are an evangelist. It's no, you are going to be a biblical elder pastor of a new church that you are going to help plant, or you're going to help other people who are biblical elder pastors in this place plant a church, right? Like those are the two options that you have. You are either planting a church directly and being a pastor elder, or you are helping someone who is a biblically qualified pastor elder plant a church. Um, Why would you do anything else? Right? Because I think a lot of times we have this like weird, um, um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, romantic, romanticized view of like the lone evangelist who just like goes to a random country and like right. travels across the land preaching the gospel to whoever he talks to and handing out tracts. But that's not the point, right? Like, if we send one person to just like evangelize. And then it's just like, all right, bye. Then we're doing a horrible disservice to those people who we've converted and then left them devoid of any meaningful Christian fellowship, which will kill them, right? Like that will just destroy them. If not, just like lead to them never having a faith in the first place and like planting the shallow seeds and then they get eaten up, it will definitely lead to a a life that is not going to be very fun for that Christian. (laughs) Um, not going to be very uh, biblically sounded or uh, founded, and it'll probably be led astray by something. Um, so, and this this brings up a couple of things, right? Like this idea that don't like missions isn't just like a random person going out and doing this, um, but also like there are those those unbiblical practices. This is what I'm trying to say. Those unbiblical practices lead to Christians being disserviced. Leads to us not being the body of Christ and hurting and harming the the people that we're uh, evangelizing to. We're going to hurt them more than if we did nothing because we're going to go there, say a few words, and then leave, and they're going to have nothing. They're, they're, you're, you're either going to bring them into a, a religion that they have no understanding of, give them a Bible, and then say good luck and then leave, or you're going to um, model a a type of Christianity that isn't biblical in the first place. Um, and so, right, like, that's why this is all important. That's why we're, we're making an emphasis on this and why the G3 conference made an emphasis on this is because that's what missions has to be about. It has to be about planting churches. Um, mm-hmm. But it does not have to be, um, as, I, as I said before, right, it doesn't have to be the first option, which is, like, this, this evangelist, this missionary is going to be the person who plants the church can totally be a person who comes alongside other people who plant plant churches like specifically in a country where like maybe there is um uh, a growing church uh of like native people people who live there and are in that culture um but they need like training for example like that's what um our 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 good friend the christian our good friends the christiansons do in haiti um um pastor sean and his wife heather and their kids they uh they went to haiti to train up and teach the christians there to Mm -hmm. lead churches and so that's what pastor sean's job is is he he gives training and teaching to pastors in haiti on that's his job which is great yeah and and so here and that's the thing i think we should talk about like the financial aspect of it is is really like that should be something the church supports that family with you know what i mean because because he's doing something as a job right 
that but that can't be he's not a pastor yeah. and so he wouldn't get the like yeah he doesn't get money from that and, exactly. and he he doesn't want to make the pastors pay exactly um like have to pay whatever for it because he's there because he wants to train the pastors up and that's something that i think the church should give to now mm -hmm. turn that around and say okay we're just going to pay somebody to go to some place and and what be a uh a missionary and that's their job is no they should go there and get a job there whether that is a pastor whether that is training up pastors whether that is a doctor like william carey and um being able to help people and but there to preach the gospel there to to get elders and pastors into local churches um do, or not, i shouldn't say get them into to raise up elders and pastors to get them into local churches um to start those things it should never be a thing of let's pay this guy money to go and be a witness. It's hey, let's pay this man money to get him to this place so that he can get a job and we can support him however much we need to until he becomes self-sufficient there and can, can preach the gospel well and effectively. And, they, and he still has a home church that can help him in times of need. Um, but we need to get away from, throwing money at somebody so they'll preach the gospel for us because that's what it becomes it's uh i don't want to preach the gospel and so we'll throw a bunch of money into this guy who will do it for us um and then also just to say that um a missionary doesn't have to stay in the same place i think that's important too because we don't see that label uh, uh, we don't see that uh, demonstrated with paul is that he went to many different places and he was always going back to different churches and whatnot to to make sure that they were you know walking in sound doctrine and whatnot um but he, you shouldn't leave a place before you set up a local church i think i think that's important i feel like that's the the mandate that we have is is you're going to make a church and when you go and make a church and then you say okay i have um a i've set up elders here there are elders here in this church and then it's a thing of okay now i can consider going somewhere else rather than I'll just stay here for the rest of my life, no matter what. And also rather than, okay, I'll come here, preach the gospel. Now that they hear the gospel, I'll leave. Um, because that's not what we're meant to do. We're supposed to herald the gospel. Yes. But to make disciples, not just converts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A bunch of the speakers were talking about like, Paul didn't just, and even, even with planting churches, like he didn't just, get involved in planting churches and then make sure there was a church there and then leave like mm -hmm. he if he knew that the christians there were not mature enough in that church then mm -hmm. he would send people to them to continue to teach them and make sure right. that they were in according to the bible scriptures and that was a weird sentence in according <laughs> in accord <laughs> with scripture <laughs> um so that they would continue to grow and not just stay where they were yeah timothy is an example of that yeah uh yeah so one one other thing i think we should mention um and i think maybe carly if you have any thoughts on this um so one of the things that was that was talked about in the q a specifically um that i think was really important because there was such an, uh, an important emphasis on the planting of churches right and that many many if not all mission missionaries should be like biblically qualified elders where does that leave women who want to be evangelists hmm to be wise of missionaries 
Do you have any other thoughts to that? <laughs> Nature? Um, I mean, if if missionaries should be biblically qualified teachers and elders, then then they should probably be married, and their wife should be involved in that ministry, but not in like a teaching role, at least not over men. And that's what Josh Bice was saying um, in the Q and A. Um, he 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 like he had an example. He was like, "Well, what if what if your daughter comes comes to you and says, yeah. like I have a passion for missions,' and then he said, "Well, let's start praying for your husband, <laughs> yeah. right? Like your future husband, yeah. right? Because I mean, and ultimately, that's what a lot of that is going to be. Um, almost all of it, right? Mm-hmm. Is this idea of because." Um, as we were talking about earlier, pastor elders, um, according to the biblical qualifications, should be the wife of one woman. And so having that partnership, that team of, of uh, a pastor elder and his wife is a one-two punch combination that is very, very powerful. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And especially when you have situations like I saw, you know, going back to the Haiti thing, um, Heather is very intricately involved in the um, the teacher and mentoring of women in Haiti. Um, she had they have like like conferences and, and stuff like that where they they gather a bunch of the women in their local community together and have, have times of teaching and and and, uh, and fellowship together. And that is that's so important, right? Like and and having like um, women who can minister to each other. Um, but another thing I wanted to mention along those lines is even say if we we have a woman who has say the gift of singleness. And she, um, so she's legitimately, she won't marry anyone, but she does still want to be involved in evangelism and and missions. Like, as we said before, right? Like there are so many opportunities, I'm sure, for people who um, are coming alongside and helping those who are planting churches, right? Like just being like helpers and, and, and fellow partners in ministry with people who are doing the planting of the church is totally a thing. Like, cause evangelism is a thing, right? Like, preaching the gospel to people and like trying to bring them to Christ, that's a command for everyone to do. And so you don't have mm-hmm. to be married to do that. Um, but it's just a, a fact of as long as the mission work is focused on building that church and there are pastor elders, biblically qualified pastor elders who are leading that soon to be church and are going to plant that church, then I, I don't see that there would be a problem with, with anyone male or female coming alongside those people and helping them if they need help um, in evangelism or other areas of ministry. Right, that except you all you agree with me on that? Yep. Connor, you have thoughts? Yeah. So a couple of things. Um, one of the people that um Conrad and I'm gonna butcher his last name. Mbewe. Mbewe. Um, Conrad Mbewe said is that one of his the like the missionary that most impacted him was a a woman named Olive Dok, and that's how he pronounced it. I'm not sure if that's how uh, (laughs) us as English speakers would pronounce that. I I don't know. So. Um, if you, if you want to know who this is, I would say, listen to the Q and a for G3 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll be able yeah, to, it, get sounds, it looks like that. that's how it would be spelled. All of the joke. Yeah. Okay. So, um, look up, uh, her and, and he very much so like, um, said that she was a great woman missionary. Um, and, and I think that's, that's something that we could look to and then, and learn from, um, but here's, here's what I want to stay very, very far away from because I hate the culture that comes with um, a reformed or complementary, a complementarianism, complementary. (laughs) How do I, how would I say that? Complementarianist view. Thank you. Okay. So the the problem that comes with a complementarianist view is then women get a pass 
on theology. Women get a pass on preaching the gospel, not preaching in a church over men as a teaching point of view, but they get a pass on preaching the gospel. Um, and they get a, they get a pass on being a part of what their, their husbands are doing because they feel like they're not as, um, important. They feel like they're not as, um, vital. They feel like they aren't supposed to, they feel like they're in sin if they're trying to do any of those things. And I think that that's just a, a, uh, way that the flesh tries to get women to not be a part of the great commission is because we have this view of women are not supposed to lead over a man. And I think that's also something that uh, I'm sure like the devil uses to um, lead people to um, views of biblical gender roles that are contrary to scripture because they Mm -hmm. like, right? Like women aren't given theological training sometimes because of this like laxity that sometimes the the church feels. And so they end up leading in that leads them into this false teaching because the ones that get this, this idea it's like oh wait a second maybe i can teach men then then you know it's this it can be this uh this line of thought where um right right, uh another way that i mean people in general right can be led away by their by their flesh is this idea that if they can do something they didn't think they could do given this false teaching then they jump on it yep so so here's what i'd say um as to the anime thing no here's what i would say um we need more godly men to preach the gospel. And that's something that starting up in an evangelism ministry has really shown me um, is that first of all, we have a huge church, right? They didn't already have an evangelism ministry. And, um, you know, it was kind of like, okay, well, we need to do this, you know? Um, And then secondly, just of how little people that we have as a part of the ministry right now. Um, We only have one, a man who's older than the age of 30 um, that is just now a part of it as of yesterday. <laughs> and I think that is a huge, um, uh, what's the word? Um, it's the symptom of a problem. Yeah, it's the symptom of a problem, absolutely. But um, I think that's a, a huge statement as to, right. you know, where evangelism is. Yeah, I was trying to think of another word for that, but uh um, and, and Ray Comfort, I've, I've, I was kind of prefaced for this. I kind of, we, Angel and I knew that when we tried to start up an evangelism ministry, that it was going to be a very, very few people. Mm-hmm. And we were okay with that. We were prepared for that. Um, for the informational meeting, we had four people that we didn't already know wanted to be a part mm-hmm. of the ministry to come to the informational meeting. And we and were like over four people that we did know. <laughs> well, uh, eight people that we did know, I believe, um, which was, which was cool. But um, who are they? Wait, I'm trying to... including you and I, it was it was it was eight people because oh. there were twelve people altogether. Right, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's here's the point. Um, we knew that it was going to be a, a very few people. We were okay with that, and uh, you know, we were just like, I mean, we're going to do the right thing anyway, and God will grow it if He wants to grow it. Um, but I feel like the culture um, is so against evangelism just just for american churches in general like the culture is just set against evangelism because it's uncomfortable um and we aren't reminded about hell we aren't reminded about unbelievers sin and so we we don't think we need to go evangelize and then on top of that 
So we need more godly men, right, who will be convicted of that and to go out and preach the gospel. Um, but we need godly women to do the same exact thing because the Great Commission is not, hey, men, go out and preach the gospel. Women stay at home. It's Christians, go preach the gospel. Um, and that's that's important to understand. And And once again, what we've said is, you know, we have to have that complementarian view as, as shown to us in scripture in, in uh, first Timothy in uh, first or second Peter. I'm not sure. I think it's first Peter, right? Um, we have to start with that theology because we want God to bless it. Um, and so if we're trying to have women go and be missionaries and try to lead churches, then we're outside of God's will. And that's a bad thing, but we can't overstep that and say, let's not let women preach the gospel or let's, let's not even encourage women to preach the gospel because we need to. Um, and I think, I think we've, we've done a great disservice in that. And um, one of the, one of the points that Ray Comfort brings up of like, is a woman allowed to preach in open air? And it goes to John chapter four, where Jesus talks to a woman at the well and he, he preaches to her and she runs off and tells the whole city, everything that this man told her. Everything that um, um, you know, Jesus told her, mm-hmm. and Jesus didn't say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 sorry, you can't do that." Um, you know, you're not supposed to share the good news that you leave that to a man, right? You know that that was never done, and mm-hmm. and so we have a clear presentation there of, of that's not how that's supposed to be. So that's right, we have the- examples of um, of uh, women leading like uh it was like a, a mother leading her son or or whatever right like to christ and yeah uh, i'm trying to remember the specifics of it but like um these like elderly women of the church were like leading this this young man or whatever to to christ like and and that's the thing right like it's it's just silly to like make these like sort of hardcore delineations when this when scripture doesn't make those um it, it gives us very clear commands and it's in a very clear context which is the church and that's all we need to know yeah. Um, but one thing yeah. I want to jump off. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Carly, if you have a thought. Uh, I was just going to say, because um, I know Connor and I were both really excited about the fact that Paul Washer was talking about um, just the fact that, like, <sighs> even in reform circles, like, women don't get as much theology as men, like, taught to them. And he, he was saying, like... Um, men get together and have conferences on like trinitarianism and you know these deep biblical doctrines and yet women get together and talk about things that aren't like they don't really get as deep into scripture and that's a problem because women need theology just as much as men um and and so yeah we need we need women to be to be reading their Bibles and knowing theology so that they can teach other women um, how to understand the Bible and everything. Um, And one of like a good example of that, um, I don't know how long ago it was, uh, several months ago, my mom went to a conference, I think it was over in Portland. um, And I don't remember exactly like all of the speakers because I didn't go um Jackie Hill Perry was one of them oh Um, I remember that yeah yeah um and I was like super excited for her to go because I knew that like Jackie Hill Perry is pretty sound in 
her, um, like how rooted she is in the word. And, um, and so like, I was super excited when she came back and she was like super excited about reading one of the books that one of the speakers had written and, um, really getting into studying the Bible more. And she has been doing that a lot since then. So yeah, we need, we need more stuff like that because it's like, especially when you have one woman of God telling another woman of God, this is what we should be doing rather than having um, only men always tell women, this is what you should be doing because like the Bible is clear that women should be teaching other women as well, rather than just everyone being taught only by men. Yes. Mm-hmm. There, there are certain things that, are, that a man should not teach. A yeah, woman, exactly. It'd be very inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. If he did. Um, and I, I would say if, if somebody wants to learn more about that, just go to Pastor Gabe Hughes uh, with uh, when we understand the text podcast, uh, WWUTT um, and go listen to his podcasts on uh um, complementarianism and different passages in scripture and and he'll he'll do some of those with his wife as well some of the question podcasts of of they'll get questions about certain things and and to hear a woman say yes I submit to my husband and this is how I do it and these are some of my struggles and this is the good thing about it and then also say yes a woman should not be a pastor a head pastor over a a church um, that is so so encouraging um and yeah the yeah i'm when i when i was at the jew3 conference and paul washer said that um everything leading up to my life at that point and especially the things that were you know going on you know in my uh personal life you know uh leading up to that as well hearing him say that was just so um, helpful to me and encouraging to me that I started crying and I literally couldn't speak about it for like an hour because I couldn't like, like we got done with the Q and a, and I was like, what Paul Washer said, like, I can't even speak about it or else I'm going to cry. Like I said that, and I couldn't, I couldn't do it because for him to say women need theology and it's, it's a terrible crime that women have a lower standard for themselves because of complementarianism, mm-hmm. um, that is a huge crime that we have done. Um, and to, to, to get women to understand that they have just as much a responsibility to the word of God that men do. Mm-hmm. And their, their role in the church is vitally important and is not less important than a man's role in the church. Um, there's no distinction for those things and so we need to be um raising up women godly women who will teach godly women as well and that needs to happen um because way too often women will have very lax theology um because because and i would say specifically pastors wives because they have no reason to be as theologically sound as their husband because their husband has that part. You know what I mean? It's, it's, oh, I want to have a balance, you know? And so he'll take that part. I'll take this part. It's no theology is not something you balance on. Theology is something that you both do no matter what theology is something that every Christian studies. You don't leave it up to one person. I, I hate it when I hear 
um, Christians talk about, oh, you know, this person likes to go really deep and, you know, I don't like to go as deep. And I'm just like, you coward. You Everyone coward. to go very deep. Yeah. You lazy coward that you would leave the word of God up to another Christian and just yeah. trust that they're going to have everything right. Instead of putting your faith and trust in God and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, who's going to reveal truth to you if you pray and ask God and read your Bible. Instead, I just, I can't, I can't do it with those people. It's just, it's such a, a low view of God. And it's such a, a lazy um, mindset. And we, we can't trust man first and foremost. We have to trust God first and foremost. And that means you have to read your Bible. Mm -hmm. um, you never go there. deep. You'll always have shallow theology. Yes. And uh, I don't know. I just, somebody that I, um, th that I know now, and I'm not going to try to give any type of specification because i don't want to call yeah, this, this a gossip yeah. podcast no no this i just goss, there's just there's <laughs> just a particular person that i know that um will always say stuff like oh you know i just i just don't like to go as deep as you know other people do and um you know and oh and this person says that you know and or or just always asking questions from people that they know are more intelligent and more not no okay i shouldn't say more intelligent because that's another speech in itself of um no no christian it doesn't matter if a Christian is more intelligent than another Christian. Um, okay. Let me, let me, let me take this one step at a time. Okay. So for him to then just be like, always asking other Christians and just being like, Oh, okay, whatever. And trusting them on that. It's a huge thing of, if it's, it's a respectful thing and a humble thing to a point. And then it becomes lazy because they're not taking the time to read their Bible on their own and learn theology on their own and do things on their own because they're just trying to make sure it's up to everybody else to do that. And, and that's a problem. Um, and, and the person that I, that I'm, that I'm saying this about, I don't know very well. And so I'm, I, I'm not trying to say anything specific about this person. I just, that's just the. Just using that thought as a jumping yes, off point for a bigger conversation. Yes. Um, and, and I just, if, if that is truly what this person's heart is at, I think that's a huge, huge um, problem. And so that should be worked out. But another thing is um, Angel and I were witnessing to this man once. Um, his name was um, Ali. And we spent probably two and a half hours talking with this man. Um, most of the time he was just talking to us about all of these different things and challenging our faith and all of these different things. And we really, really didn't get a lot of chance to talk to him. Um, and looking back on that, that's one of the experiences that Angel and I look back on and are like, we should, we should have stuck up for ourselves and been like, okay, we've listened to you. Now you listen to us and been, been firm about that of, you know, we need to have human decency here and we want to be able to preach the gospel to you kind of a thing. Um, but uh, one of the things that we said during that is, is like, he was like saying, oh, you know, like, sorry for, you know, keeping, I'm just talking and talking. And, and I was like, I mean, no, man, you're a very intelligent person. Like, thanks for talking with us kind of a thing. And he was like, I'm not intelligent. I'm not intelligent. I'm, I'm well-researched. This isn't, this isn't something special about me. That's what he was saying is this, this isn't something special about me. I just, I took the time and I took the effort to learn about what I, what I need to learn about to make my worldview. And I use that in the sermon to just say, look, you can't say that you're a Christian and are not a theologian because you are you're a Christian. That means you, you have a study and you have a, a viewpoint of who God is and you need to have that as a right viewpoint of who God is. And so you need to be studying the word of God. 
Um, and that becomes a huge issue when we have so many Christians who r- rely on their pastor for their only source of food, a spiritual food. Um, and we have a whole bunch of Christians who say, well, this person over here gets deep in the Bible, but I'd prefer to just talk about God loves everyone. And then you have huge issues where somebody's not growing in their faith. And then you have to say, if you don't care about reading the word of God, if you don't care about learning more, are you truly saved? Because if you are truly have the Holy Spirit, he should be convicting you of your sin of not wanting to know who God is. Because you never, you never are going to know everything you need to know. So yeah, I don't know how we got this here, but oh, of, of women need theology. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's just been, just to close that thought off, that's just been a huge thing in, in Caleb and I's lives, I think, um, with just everything. It's just, it seems like every time like you meet a couple, um, or you meet just a, a, like a, like the, our peers growing up, you know, in, in youth group and stuff like that. It seemed, it seemed always that the men were the ones that got serious about theology and the women were the ones that said, oh no, we shouldn't get too deep. We shouldn't get divisive over truth. We should just all agree and love. And that, that's, that wasn't a true across the board, but in terms of yes. like the majority. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Ab- absolutely not. There have been plenty of godly women in our lives that i know I mean, so many <laughs> yeah i i think of i think of people in our youth group that that really convicted me women uh, mm-hmm. that were in our youth group that really convicted me of they read their bible way more than i did and as a young man i was like ah that wow like i need to be i need to be reading my bible um and you know that was really convicting for me so when we talk about these things we talk about these things because we have experienced these things not to make a general statement or a blanket statement about everything. We're just saying these are experiences that we've had. And so we need to be aware of these things and to be warned of these things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Any other uh, thoughts on, on this topic before we kind of wrap up here? Um, I mean, I think that's a good place to plug Sheologians. Yeah, because, for sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, I was just listening to an episode today and they had Jeff Durbin on and it was really fun. I saw um, the link to that. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Um, but also um, this is a podcast that I haven't listened to yet, but um, I have faith that it's really good. Um, I've subscribed to it. I just haven't gotten around to listening to any episodes yet. Um, uh, Heidi St. John. It's the Heidi St. John podcast, I believe is what it's called. Um, she is the mother-in-law of my youth pastor and, um, she does a lot with like homeschooling and, um, stuff like that. And she, um, just looking at some of the like titles of episodes, she's talking about biblical subjects and like how to interpret certain things and, um, thought it was really cool. And she was also one of the speakers at the um, Day of Mourning on the, what was that, last weekend? Yeah. Um, And, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she definitely seems like a homeschool mom, which is kind of awesome. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, like, there's um, a lot of the people 
in my church are related to her in some way because she has a lot of kids and then their kids are married to a bunch of people in the church of course it's great so i know a bunch of her kids stuff already (laughs) first first podcast topic i see is real love includes discipline so there you go yeah that sounds good yeah you should you should put that in the christian artist page that if we ever want to go and listen to it not the christmas page the our our uh message thread oh right yeah sure here let me do that right now yeah uh but yeah anything else i i've i've said more than i yes you've said lots of things so yeah um cool i mean i think we covered pretty much everything in summary that uh g3 kind of went through um so obviously take a look at and listen to um those videos those the sessions from the g3 conference this year or last year this year 2019 beginning of 2019 i was trying to think when that happened yeah um but uh yeah super super good stuff um so we're kind of just like summarizing things that we learned at that conference um they'll go into depth they and it's lots of exegetical preaching so Mm -hmm. If you're looking for proof texts, um, go and listen to to these sermons. And not proof texts in the bad way. Proof right. texts in the, like, these actually prove something. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and they weren't meant to prove something. We're just, we're just going for the text. To, yeah. That's, I think that's, that's something to specify is they don't, they don't say this is our viewpoint and this and is the Bible. Let's find all the verses it. that make yeah. that viewpoint correct. It, no, was, it was just like, okay, I want to preach on this passage here's what this passage says yeah i think that was literally was it mark dever that or was it someone else that at one point like for one of their lessons was just like give me a passage to preach on and i'll do it right now oh oh yeah no so yeah mark dever did that but obviously he was planning on he was just hoping that well that's the thing he he basically was just like uh hope knowing because he was like okay what's a topic that comes up when you or the first that comes mm-hmm. up when you think of this thing and it, i, I yeah. was it just missions or was it I don't know, yeah something. it was it was what what passage should definitely be preached on if we're talking about about missions the great commission we're talking and it about took missions. like four times but someone finally said yeah. the chapter Romans he 10. was yeah. preaching on and so yeah. he was just like it's yeah. a good thing that you mentioned that <laughs> i have a whole server <laughs> prepared for that yeah um, but yeah it was mark dever yeah um yeah, so mark he yeah he was asking and being like hey What's the one one thing that you would you know want somebody to preach on when it comes to missions? Like the obvious choice, and somebody yelled at Romans nine. He said Romans <laughs> <Yeah>. nine. <laughs> That's not the obvious choice. But then Stephen Lawson did yes, it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That's what I thought was so funny is he was like, "That's obviously not the obvious choice." It, it was kind of like a hush hush spoilers friend. Like I thought, I thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was one go, point. Go uh, it was a couple days ago when I was trying to listen through more of these. Um, and like I think I was listening to one of Odie Bauckham's uh sermons and like I hadn't realized that the last time that I had been watching the same sermon I had watched more of it and like YouTube had just like backtracked me a bit but like I didn't realize that because I hadn't been paying attention enough the first time I was watching it and so then I kept listening through it and I was like, oh, that's really good. Like, I'm glad I got to hear that. And then it gets to a point that I remember hearing and I was like, oh, I wouldn't have heard that the first time because I wasn't paying attention. But yeah, they were, they're really solid sermons and they were really good. And yeah. 
go listen to them for sure <laughs> um one last random point that came to my mind because you mentioned mark dever connor and just as like a close to our ecclesiology slash missiology kind of tangent here um mark dever I, I watched a video by mark dever um i kind of scanned through it. i didn't watch the whole thing but it was mark dever talking with two pastors um james mcdonald and um mark driscoll who have both now disqualified themselves from being <laughs> pastors really and it was yes and it was those two like ganging up on mark dever trying to explain to him that the biblical view of ecclesiology was not correct and so mark dever was like okay here's the way ecclesiology is supposed to work and let's let's have a conversation about this and they were like the whole time they were just like no nah, you're totally wrong like what are you talking about all this stuff um but mark dever is still a pastor and is still <laughs> a faithful uh person in church and both mark driscoll and james mcdonald's have because of the lack of accountability they had because their main thing was like they are the leaders of their church and they don't have an actual like pastor elder accountability like they're supposed to they right. both ended up doing major things to disqualify themselves from eldership, being abusive to their congregants and being just generally disreputable as pastor elders. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was just something that came to my mind um, as we're talking about ecclesiology, right? Like this stuff is important because yeah. if you don't get it right, you hurt people because yeah. bad theology hurts people um, and bad ecclesiology hurts people and bad missiology hurts people. <laughs> Um, and bad economics hurts people, but that's a different topic entirely. Um, <laughs> right. Like it, the Bible has things to say about these things. And if we ignore them, people get hurt. Yep. So theology has to be the most important thing in the Christian life. Mm -hmm. It has to be because that's how we define everything else. Yeah. And if we aren't defining it biblically, that's when we come into problems. Because we're literally saying, God, I'm trusting my own mind. I'm trusting my own heart. I'm trusting my own flesh. And I am I say, this is how I think this is going to go. And maybe it's even a passive thing. I mean, I can't mm -hmm. think of how many times in my life I've done something over and over and over again and then read a Bible verse that specifically condemned something that I did. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, wow. I can't do that anymore. Um, and instead we ignore our Bibles. When we read our Bibles, we try to make it say what we want it to say. Um, and we aren't humble enough to realize that we don't know everything. We're not the grand poopas of all knowledge. <laughs> and we need to go to the Bible for the answers. And especially when you know something is true and yet you say, well, that doesn't matter. You know, when, when, when any piece of theology stops mattering, people are going to get hurt. And you were then in direct disobedience from God. That if God took the time with your life, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through Bible reading, through prayer, through accountability of other Christians to bring a the theological matter to your mind, give biblical proof for it and say, this is what is true. And you ignore it. That is a huge authority issue with God. And so we should make sure that we're always checking ourselves on that. As uh, the great theologian Michael Jackson always said, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Actually, Michael Jackson didn't say that. I don't remember who said <laughs> that. It was some – who said that? <laughs> it, it's, it's a song lyric is what I'm saying. Um, check yourself <laughs> before you wreck yourself. Who said that? It's a song. Um, 
Caleb, I feel like you just disqualified yourself. <laughs> okay, it's a rapper named Ice Cube. Uh, definitely don't recommend this song. It's very bad. Um, okay. But that's where it came from. Anyway. <laughs> um, this has been The Christian Artist. You can find us on Twitter at Christ underscore art underscore show at Facebook at Facebook.com slash Christian Artist Show and at our website at Christian Artist Show dot com um as uh as well as being the social media guru for the christian artist i am also now the social media guru for the casting light ministry um that we started and so um i'm gonna be if you're interested in that at all and in following what we're gonna be doing um specifically probably you know at whitewater that's gonna be the main thing we're gonna be doing every thursday we're gonna go out to whitewater and and preach the gospel and talk to have some conversations with the um with the students, um, I'm sure that we'll, we're planning on going to lots of other events and things as they come up too. But um, when it gets I'm into be, the summer, when it gets yes, warmer, summertime is going to be free. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll probably find another another day to go out and yeah, and do that as well as Thursday. Well, I honestly it'll probably replace Thursday because, because people won't probably not be, be college water as much. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. So. But yeah, so if you're interested in checking out what's going to be going on there, probably the thing I'm going to be updating the most is the Instagram, um, because from there I can update on Facebook and Twitter, um, just like pictures of what's going on and stuff. Um, but uh, basically, I'll be taking, giving updates of like what we're doing and what's going on. Like, probably um, take a picture of the whiteboard every week that we um, write something on and have a question for people to answer. Part of part of what we're doing is we're getting a theology of the campus, um, and the right, more of we like know, getting a, a feel on what they all are thinking. Yeah, yeah, we're we're getting their theology. I should specify that we're getting their theology um, from the campus that we know what the most majority of the people believe, um, and then going off of that information, we've uh, been given permission to open air preach there at a Whitewater, not not from Whitewater, but from our church. And so, if Angel and I ever then have an opportunity. Um, to just open air preach, then that's what we're gonna do. And yeah, I mean, Whitewater is pretty pretty lax about those those things. They they kind of let people just. Yeah, well, I mean, regardless, if they if they told us that we couldn't be there, I mean, that's a violation of freedom of speech. So that's well, I'm not I mean, worried about that. I mean, yeah, I don't know as specifically how it works in terms of like it being a college. I don't know if it's considered it's public. public if it is public property. Okay. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, then we can just do whatever we want. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so just yeah. So, so for you as listeners, then, so that's you know that's that's pretty much what we're going to be doing. So if, um, so I, what I was going to say is I'll link that in the liner notes too. Um, yeah, yes. those pages. Yes. Um, but we would love for you guys to then be praying for us. Yes. Um, specifically, you know, every Thursday we go out between eleven and uh, sometime. Um, is this the plan? So if if any time throughout the week or just whatever um, you think about us, just, you know, be praying for us. We would really, really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's it from us here at the Christian artist. Thank you so very much for listening. And we'll be back next week to talk about another ology that we haven't discussed yet. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. um, yeah, we can talk about it after the podcast. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. figure that out. But uh, yeah, that's it from us. See ya. Bye.